0: From rivers Barton Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects, Joel Rivers and Kevin Barton visit with Reed Kennedy, a drummer and composer from St. Paul, Minnesota.
1: It seems like the more you put yourself out there, the more you, you know, go out into the world and have these type of types of experiences, the more your eyes are open to what is out there in the rest of the world. And, um, growing up in a smaller town and then moving to, um, the Twin Cities area and then going out to LA is kind of, or was kind of an interesting, um, track to see just what is possible.
0: Reed Kennedy is a percussionist and jazz drummer from St. Paul, Minnesota, and a standout example of the modern working musician. In addition to being a top-call drummer in the Twin Cities, Reed teaches percussion and music theory at McNally Smith College of Music in downtown St. Paul. He composes, performs, records, and produces his own music in groups such as the Reed Kennedy Jazz Trio and Big Villain, and is the co-founder of the Neo-Soul Modern Jazz Darlings of Minneapolis. Nookie Jones. Joe and Kevin talk with Reed about his path to becoming a full-time musician, having passion for creating, and the ins and outs of collaboration. Here's Reed, followed by Kevin.
1: You know, my next-door neighbor had a drum set, and when their family would be out of town, and they would ask me to kind of go over and feed their fish or get their mail, I may or may not have snuck in a couple of secret Practice sessions on the drum set, <laughs> which kind of got me introduced to that instrument, and uh, it was just really fun. Did it get to where you
2: went? Oh, no, I'll, I'll feed your fish for you. No, oh, no, you're out of town. I'll get your mail. <laughs> sure, you don't want to take another vacation yeah. this year? Hey, <laughs> hey, I know you guys are home, but I can still check your mail and feed your fish. I mean, you got a busy schedule. Need for you to miss something. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, you have a drum set. Oh.
1: oh, didn't see that before. Oh, is this new? <laughs> I remember I think he had, he had one of those uh, jock jam CDs, and I would play along with it, and uh, that was my jam, my afternoon jam over at the neighbor's house when they were on vacation. Yeah, about the same time I was taking piano lessons as a kid, which uh, my mother tells me was something I asked for. I don't I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was one of those things that, you know, your mom has you try when you're young, just like t-ball and swimming lessons. But I uh, had some success, and I remember that to join percussion in beginning band at my elementary school, they preferred that you had a piano background, so it was a good natural fit. Little by little, just started to have more positive experiences playing in school bands and receiving really positive instruction and feedback from uh, my teachers. I had the good fortune to connect with a private instructor when I was in uh, late junior high, early high school age, who was teaching at Winona State University. Uh, He still is on faculty there and is definitely one of the people in my life who I can say that I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him. So that was a huge uh, piece of good fortune for me that he happened to move to Winona at that time when I was growing up. I feel like it's really important to have a mentor of, of sorts, you know, when you have a passion for something and you want to pursue it to a higher level. And so he was the person that helped me learn how to read intricate rhythms better. He was the person that that taught me how to play a drum set chart in jazz band. He was the person that first taught me how to play four mallet marimba and helped me prepare a college audition. So to this day, I find myself in circumstances where I will send him a quick email saying, you know, I just played... This type of gig and I'm still grateful for you having shown me how to do this 15, 20 years ago so that I'm able to do this now. Definitely one of those people in in my life who, like I said before, where if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be where I am. When I got to college for the first two, three years, I kind of had my sights set on public school music education. And in the summer of... 2005, I had the chance to participate in the Disney All-American College Band program in California, which is a group made up of college kids from around the country who audition to play at Disneyland six days a week. The organization brings in top call musicians from the LA area to clinic the band, talk to the band about what it's like being a professional musician who plays on film scores, or who plays on the Oscars, or who has recorded, you know, on numerous albums. That experience for me was kind of a turning point in the decision to continue pursuing the music education degree, but not necessarily with the same goal of becoming a public education instructor. It kind of made me aware of the possibility of being able to perform and pursue uh, more creative outlets um, after college was done. It seems like the more you put yourself out there and the more you, you know, go out into the world and have these type of types of experiences, the more your eyes are open to what is out there in the rest of the world. And um, growing up in a smaller town and then moving to um, the Twin Cities area and then going out to L.A. is kind of, or was kind of an interesting um, track to see just what is possible. And so when I came back from L.A., I think I had like a year or two left of school and after graduating, I, mean, I took my licensure exams, and was a licensed K-12 music educator in the state of Minnesota, but I wanted to see what would happen if I didn't use that right away. And month by month, can I still make my rent and pay my bills, teaching privately and playing music? And uh, month by month, it became a little bit easier. and. Doors start to open, and
2: um, I haven't looked back ever since. So, what gave you the courage to step out like that? A lot of people would look at you as, as that's that's crazy. How can you, how can you get kind of go on such a month by month? What what gave you the motivation to to follow that passion to, to such an extreme?
1: I think it's what you just said. You know, it's the the passion. It's the feeling that uh, that I get inside when I'm performing or creating, just like. Um, You know, in any any um, artistic avenue, I happen to be describing it in terms of making music, but I'm sure that it exists in in people who create um, all sorts of things. And, you know, that seemed like the right time to try doing it. The safe route would have been to apply for those education jobs and, you know, quote unquote, play play gigs at night. But it just didn't seem like the right thing to do at the time. And I feel like sometimes we are guided by forces that uh, aren't easy to really uh, discern or label, but there's just something internally that says it's not the time for this right now. And looking back on it, I'm really glad I just decided to follow those convictions.
2: That's great. That's empowering. It's, uh, I know it can be pretty scary at times, but it's it's great when it pays off.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's, and and in not all that long ago, (laughs) there are still times where, you know, financially it was scary. And there really are no guarantees in the arts, at least in what I've experienced. And you kind of have to have six, seven, eight pie slices just in case one of them happens to go away. And I, I think that's a big reason why I've maintained a stake in education. In addition to the fact that I'm passionate about it, and I get a great reward from teaching, whether it's privately or at uh, McNally Smith, where I teach. And so I, I get the feeling like that is something I'm supposed to be doing. And fortunately, those two avenues of education still allow the time for creativity, um, composition, performing, and uh, I'm able to float all those different uh, avenues at once. I'm just on the last leg of a project with my trio, in which I've been writing music and releasing a track each month of 2016 that's about the people and places in my life. And that, to me, represents my best effort at connecting music to meaningful things in my life. And just interestingly enough, that specific project will probably reach fewer people than a lot of other things that I'll do in the next year or two. But personally, it probably means the most to me as a creator, as an artist, as someone who's been able to take meaningful aspects of life and convey them through music. That's probably not something I would have been able to do uh, in the past or until it was time to do it, which is just kind of the natural evolution i think of of creativity and how it happens is you're meant to be inspired at a time when you are inspired and not any sooner and not any later but just when it
2: happens do you think you can you have that thought process cuz your your music education and background i mean that sounds like a very jazz approach to life of you know the break happens when the break happens not before or after
1: yeah i think it also comes from the idea of not trying to force not trying to control not trying to manipulate but just letting life flow and being a conduit for the things that happen which isn't to say sitting back and not putting in the the work or the effort but to let go of the idea that you can control the outcome, and so uh, I'm not going to be heartbroken if this jazz trio project of mine uh, doesn't reach every corner of the globe, and I didn't go into it with that expected outcome. But I'll be really proud of it when it's done, and whatever comes from it comes from it. Intrinsically, it it will and has been very rewarding, and that means enough to me to consider it a success
2: yeah that's great that's exciting i think as artists we we all want to be or as creatives we all want to be passionate about what we're working on in whatever realm it is yeah i agree
1: too i feel like that's where the inspiration comes from is the passion that we have for what it is that we're attempting to create I also think some of that energy comes from collaboration and the ability to generate an idea, bounce it off somebody else, and have it come back to you better than it started. And so there's something to the teamwork aspect of it that I find to be uh, very energizing as well.
2: When did you start to pick up on the teamwork aspect? I I would say like in architecture, uh, it's something that's not done a lot. In music, it it's almost required to be more collaborative. I know it's something that Kevin and I strive for in our own design approach. But what what brought you to collaboration? When did you start realizing? Was it when you had the the internship at Disney, or just coming up in band? You know, um, it,
1: it, not all that long ago, to be honest, I had my first opportunity to begin writing lyrics for. A project that I'm currently involved with, so uh, writing the the music that is kind of the bulk of the song, but then also writing the lyrics. And with this particular project, it's helped me again to go back to the human aspect of what you learn from things like this. That uh, your idea isn't always the best one, as much as you know you might want to believe that. And when I say you, I mean me. <laughs> I'm I'm confident in A lot of the ideas that I have. But in this particular circumstance, I've learned a lot about how working with other people and allowing one idea to kind of morph and evolve can lead to a better final product in the end. And when someone suggests changing something that you might have brought to the table, it's not a personal knock on anything that you've done it's a suggestion or i an idea that could make it better and that has been a fantastic lesson in not only music making but uh how to be a better person how to be a better human being how how to be a better
2: collaborator in life uh, outside of being in a band it can be really hard to find those collaborators too i know sometimes i feel in society that when you get in a heated discussion or are trying to prove a point, it's more important to win the argument than it is to come out with the right answer. Yeah. And especially when you're so passionate about your product, it's so hard to, you you know, you're almost fighting for your passion instead of what, what really is good or what really could be better. I love that. And then you kind of get sidetracked
1: and your ego gets involved and you're right. You know, the end result, you might feel like, okay, I won that argument, but what did you really gain by having to go through that struggle or argument
2: or uh, discourse or whatever it might be? I, I completely agree. I, I know for Kevin and me, it's it's very hard sometimes. I'm, you know, we're both very passionate people, and uh, it's hard for you know, it's hard for me to let go of ideas sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's not even admitting that Kevin's right or wrong, or that I'm right or wrong. It's simply yes, this is good, but can it be better? What's next? What's better? What's how, how can this step up?
1: Yeah. And to me, that sounds very similar to the scenario I'm in, where it's all about what can be better? How can we do this better? What can make the next one you know better? How can we do this to the best of our abilities? You guys work in, in a pair, and Cameron and I work in a pair in Nookie Jones, and that's kind of the nucleus of the group. And so... It's the similar kind of circumstances from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. You might throw out uh, nine ideas that sink, and the tenth one might be exactly the one that you needed, but you never would have arrived at it had you not gone through the first nine to get there.
2: So Actually, it kind of reminds me of this community clubhouse that we're working on. Basically, the scheme that we're going with right now was really a byproduct of 20 or 30 you know, ideas that were thrown out there and really the one that that we're working on now is a byproduct that we hadn't really thought of before you know it was really kind of a last second kind of thing it was like actually maybe it's more of like a something like this and this and this that you know both of us hadn't really considered before going through the 20 or 30. I don't know if It's a, if that sounds about right Joe but yeah, it was a complete evolution of, of different ideas, and it was yeah. learning from each of the, the 30 iterations, and in the end, right, we said, okay, well, we have all this other stuff, but what about, what about one more that's something like this, you know? And we were able to say, well, we, we really like this on, the, on, on this 29th idea, and we like this from 17, but, you know, how, how, how can we do it better? How can, how can this be like that, and how can it come together? And one of the reasons why you guys are able to work so well together
1: is that there's a mutual respect and trust there that the other person wants the best desirable outcome.
2: Oh, no. Let's, about... let's, let's be clear. I, I hate Kevin. I don't trust him. And my only goal is to win. <laughs> I want to <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> is kind of like a game of volleyball, kind of like I would imagine writing a short story might go, where you have characters and there's a plot and maybe some sort of resolution. And then comes the part where we have to figure out how we say what we're trying to say in lyric format and not prose. So we'll come up with the story, and that's all well and good, but we can't use any of that verbiage because it's not fitting for a song. And more often than not, one of us will say, I love what you're trying to say, but how can we say it better? That's exactly what we should say, but I think we can find a better way of saying it. The universal theme is always how can we do this the best way, which is such a healthy, positive working environment to have. Because Cameron and I, who is the co-writer for all of our songs and the lead singer of the group, we want to be the best it can possibly be and won't settle for anything less. So that to me is very empowering to have in a collaborator and co-creator. You know, having never done that before, I was kind of open to let's just see where this goes. And we do have five 10 minute lengths of time where we're both sitting there with our heads down thinking about stuff. I'll volley something over to his side of the room. He'll respond in one way or another. And then we'll go to another five, six, 10 minutes of (laughs) thinking about it. And when something good comes, we both go, oh yeah, yeah, that's totally it. And we know. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a good, good little vibe we've got going on. I think the you know, with him being the front man, what it comes down to is is he confident singing this? Does it stand, you know, to be performed in front of other people? And if the answer is yes, then we know we've we've got I think, you know, what we're looking for. You know, on day we just know on days when we come up with a great chorus, there's just they they, they sometimes they write themselves and when it's done it's like, yeah, that's that's definitely it, we got it. There's a, a feeling you guys can probably relate to. When you do latch on to that, that answer that you just have a strong sense is the right design or is the right maneuver for whatever it is that you're drafting or creating. It's like, yeah, that's it. We got that onto the next aspect of it. There's just a conviction and that's a great feeling.
2: Someone told you 10 years ago, you know, you're, you're actually going to be a writer of short stories, you know, what, what you would have, you've been like, what get out of here.
1: It's interesting, too, because I've never really thought about it in those terms, and it's it's fascinating. What it goes to show you, I guess, is that um, you can never predict the future, and as they say, the best thing about the future is that it happens one day at a time, and uh, you don't know where it's going to lead you, especially, I think, when you're involved with a creative, intuitive type of field. You kind of... Uh, you follow not just where the wind blows, but where there's a sense of belonging and purpose and with what feels right. And in the few instances where I had tried to write in the past, it just, uh, it didn't work. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was meant to be to uh, collaborate with Cameron in that regard and have the output be what it is between the two of us but you're right would I have ever seen that coming absolutely not that's the mystery and beauty and surprise that life has to offer all of us you know interesting fascinating but it's awesome because you never never know
2: it has been fantastic. Thanks, Reed. We really appreciate your time. Oh, man. What an honor, you guys. Yeah, it's such an honor to be asked to do this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Reed.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: From Rivers Barden Architects, this has been Spork in the Road. For more about Reed's music, including the People and Places Project and Nookie Jones, visit his website at reedkennedy.com. A special thanks to Reed Kennedy, interviewers extraordinaire Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden, special music The Architect by the Reed Kennedy Jazz Trio, and All I Ever Wanted by Big Villain. And thanks to all listeners like you. This episode was written, produced, edited, narrated, and music by Scott Barden. For more information on Rivers-Barden Architects, visit riversbarden.com.